On today's episode of the show, I'm joined by the incredible cabaret performer Tash York. It's a really, really great chat about everything going on right now and how she's been adapting to make art in these COVID times. Stay tuned. It's a great chat. Don't go anywhere. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Benjamin Mayer McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and I couldn't be more excited to be back for our second episode uh, of this mini-series that we're releasing in these very strange COVID times. The other thing I did want to let you know uh, is this season, or mini-season, we are only recording interviews via the internet. We are being 100% COVID safe. Uh, we're doing Zoom, we're doing Skype, we're doing phone calls, but uh, there's, there's nothing face-to-face happening here. I uh, just wanted to let you all know that so that uh, you know we're being as COVID safe as we want you to be. And I do really want to encourage you, if you're in a heavily COVID-affected area, please wear a mask, stay safe, follow all the government rules and restrictions. They are there to keep you safe. And we want to get out as a society of this on the other side and get back to our regular lives as soon as possible. But we can only do that with help from people like you at home. Now, as I said, I have got an incredible performer joining me on the show today. Uh, Tash York and I... Uh, have known each other for a very long time. We always run into each other at fringe festivals, uh, and we had we had some very amusing conversations about what we thought COVID would actually entail for our lives. We were wrong. Um, we thought it was going to be over in a couple of weeks. But uh, I, I really liked sitting down with Tash the other week, having a chat about her career and all the ways she's been adapting in these really interesting modern times. Uh, here's that chat now. Enjoy. Tash, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. That's okay. Thanks for having me. Now... You are in Melbourne, which in Australia is one of the places faring worst off uh, in the COVID situation. As a performer, how have you been keeping sane? What do you mean? You think I'm sane right now? That's a hilarious... No. <laughs> um, I have been... Uh, the Well, we've gone into two lockdowns, so this is the sort of tail end of the second one, which was... Um, yeah, the first one I didn't really do a lot, to be honest. I was kind of just mourning my performance family and all my friends and whatnot. And uh, the second one I kind of, uh, I went really gung-ho. I got all my equipment together. I do a lot of band gigs and stuff like that. So I was lucky enough to have a few soundboards and some lights and stuff. And uh, I, I basically set up like a mini TV studio for streaming in my second bedroom. Uh, and that's kind of been keeping me going, figuring out, how the heck and hell I put all of this together, um, but also, yeah, just basically having a chance to perform to a tiny little circle on the top of my computer screen. But it's been obviously really weird, but um, just adapting, really. That's what we do as performers, I guess. I guess so. But it is very strange performing to like a camera dot and having no gauge on audience response. And obviously a lot of both what you and I do is based on audience reaction, how yeah. have you adapted your style of performance for not knowing? <laughs> it's been, I've been doing a lot of shows on, uh, in, uh, not Instagram, sorry, uh, on YouTube live. And so uh, there's a really cool like chat function as part of that. But the thing is when you're streaming, it's about 20 seconds behind. So it's been very uh, awkward trying to adapt to that kind of, you know, if you need some suggestions. I do a lot of improv, a lot of improv comedy and a lot of improv songs and stuff. And so a lot of the time I kind of get um, influences or, you know, ask questions to the audience to try and figure out, you know, which direction this story is going to go in and so obviously with a 20 second lag um building in some sort of chat in between and trying to make sure that it's still flowing and you're not just waiting for your phone to come up with suggestions uh has definitely been something that I've done to adjust to that um and I think as well just you know like 
still feeling that buzz after a show kind of still happens. So that's kind of reassuring in a little way for me. It's not the same, but it's a something, you know, you still have that like post-show buzz after you do a live stream. So that's, yeah, comforting at least. Yeah, you don't want to lose that that feeling. That's too important yeah. to do. How long was it between sort of your last live performance and your first streamed performance? Um, my last live performance was on the 15th of March. So that was the last day of Adelaide Fringe. And then I think my first streamed performance, I was actually lucky enough uh, in our first lockdown, we weren't restricted to five kilometres. So in our first lockdown, uh, I was lucky enough to go down to the piano bar in Geelong. Uh, and that works as basically just a piano bar every single night. And one of the owners there who plays piano, he has done a live stream every single day of lockdown that Geelong's been in lockdown. He like did exactly what I've done here, which he kind of gave me the inspiration to, you know, set up my own little studio. Um, and he basically set up a little film studio. It was all COVID safe. We didn't touch anyone. We went in separate doors. Like he was in a separate room to me, like with the piano and stuff. I brought my own musician that I was, you know, obviously like happy to be in a COVID bubble with. And that was like the 20th of April. So it was about a month after. Um, and yeah, it was completely surreal just going into this venue that normally people are like, dancing on the tables and I do shots at the bar with the manager like while I'm sitting on a piano to just this like super sanitary like COVID safe like you know even my guitarist and I were like a meter and a half from each other so that we like didn't even though we drove in the car together but so it didn't seem like to the audience that we were like flaunting the rules and stuff because back then it wasn't as um I guess there was rules, but it wasn't as strict with what was going on as far as the laws in Melbourne. Um, but yeah, that was my first experience. So a month later and, um, yeah, completely bizarre, just staring into, you know, um, I think that was a GoPro. So that was even weirder. I'm like, ah, sport, um, doing some cabaret. This is weird. (laughs) So yeah. Do you think that month in between would be one of the longest times you've gone without performing? hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> I think the only other time that I didn't go that long without performing was when I went to the UK, uh, to my, um, fiance's brother's wedding and we went on holiday for three weeks and I came back from that holiday and I was like, I don't know how to sing anymore. I've forgotten how to perform. He's like, all right, Miss Drama, like you'll be fine. <laughs> like, so yeah, that was about a month, which, um, you know, and that month was, a proper long month of just grieving what the heck was going to happen to our industry because it was just such, it still is, but it was so much more uncertain back then um, without any benefits, without any announcements of JobKeeper and Seeker. Like that didn't really come until the end of April. So it was um pretty scary time. Yeah. Have you finished the morning process yet? Because I'm not certain that I have. Um, I actually feel that um, with Melbourne being in second lockdown, that it's actually kind of just made me readjust, if that makes sense. Like I was mourning for ages and I obviously am still upset and I want everything to go back to the way it was. Um, But I think for me as a person, I can't dwell on things. So I have to find other things to kind of be the to you know satiate me in the, in the meantime so I think like I because because I, I you know I, I'm openly a sufferer of anxiety I stew over things I you know make things a million times bigger than they need to be uh, so for me I kind of made a choice at the beginning of this second lockdown obviously was devastated when we got into second lockdown but more so about not being able to go outside and see my friends and stuff at that stage so I think I'm kind of in like 
survival mode now because Melbourne's been, other than the month of June, we've been in like hard out lockdown for like six months. So maybe it's just like Stockholm syndrome at this point. I'm not really sure. Yeah, that's that's quite fair. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm like I just want to see another person that's not my fiance at this stage. You know, like yeah. Well, look, at least you're still engaged. You haven't had too much of each other. You know what? Like that's the biggest thing to come out of this. I said that to him the other day. I'm like, normally I'm just not here on weekends and we see each other during the week and that kind of thing. I reckon I've done maybe like two years worth worth of like face to face time with you. Now I can go on tour for ages once we're allowed to. Oh, that yeah. no, works, right? Just bank the hours in. It's like timeshare. Uh, <laughs> uh, I remember the first time I saw a person who wasn't my roommate after, because we had about 12 weeks of hard lockdown mm-hmm. and I'm immunocompromised. So I was even more sort of fearful of going out. So I didn't do of the course. shopping. I didn't do any of the, like, you know, the things that you could do. And I just remember not really knowing how to interact with another person because I got so used to just having this rapport and, you know, all the sort of weird slang and nicknames you come up with with the other person 1, when you're in one room. Yeah. Oh, weird. I did that the other day because uh, I'm, I'm doing an online stream show at the moment where I have uh, three or four guests on. And uh, the first one that I did, I did a Zoom meeting that was kind of like a tech rehearsal. So basically I was just going to see the spaces that they were in and how their internet connection was and that kind of thing. And it was just the most bizarre thing because all of us were, you know, used to being backstage with each other and hanging out and we were just all so awkward. Like we we're like, oh, yeah, no, you speak. Oh, no. Like and it was exactly that, but just via the internet, which makes it, you know, 10 times worse. Um, so I totally understand that just loss of like social interactive skills that kind of happens after, you know, being in an environment for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Now I know this, this may be a little bit difficult, but to give non-arts people a concept of what your year should have looked like, what have you had to cancel? Oh, well, let me count thy ways. (laughs) So... Um, I, uh, as, as well as a performer, uh, in the cabaret festival fringe kind of sense, uh, which means that I usually go to every major, um, open access festival that happens in Australia. Uh, I was also going to go to Edinburgh fringe this year. Uh, I was also, um, I was actually in one of the final stages of going on the TV version of Australia's Got Talent this year. Um, I also do a job doing, um, publicity and marketing, uh, basically mentoring people to do such uh, for the Butterfly Club, which is an independent arts venue in Melbourne. And so we had 28 shows for Melbourne Comedy Festival that I was also doing uh, publicity and marketing and mentoring and that kind of thing for, which obviously Melbourne Comedy Festival got cancelled. So that all went out the window. And uh, I was also supposed to be getting married this year. And uh, I'd organised a whole bunch of my performer friends and my band friends to fly up to Port Douglas to come and, to, you know, come and watch us get married in a Spiegel tent which is also an arts venue uh so I paid a whole bunch of my performer friends to come be part of my wedding and that got cancelled as well so it's been it's been pretty full-on uh not having all of that and then as well you know the corporate events and the band events and that kind of thing yeah usually most weekends I'm not in Melbourne so it's kind of pretty pretty wild that I've spent nothing but time here Yeah, I feel that. I had, I think I had about 26 flights in my Qantas app that I <laughs> go to and cancel. 
Oh my God. That was just such a hectic time. I was like, oh, cool. Another credit. Yeah. Great. No, no worries. And I've also now got like, I, I was flying up my band and three performers for my wedding. So I've got like eight credits in other people's names as well. I'm like, cool. Great. Love that. So good. <laughs> so, oh, I reckon, yeah. uh, the hardest thing that I, I tried to do quite quickly is like go through my my calendar and have to delete all the all the booked events because I sort of had things mm-hmm. like up to really next March. And I don't know about you, but for me, the corporates have already started cancelling for next year, which is just beautiful yep. and just great. <laughs> uh, but just I think I think it was three bottles of wine the day that I had to clear the diary. Like that was a hard one. <laughs> yeah, it is, especially you know the gigs that didn't happen last year that were happening this year that were like a level up. And, you know, there was a few of those for me this year that I was like, oh, cool. Um, you know, I was hosting a really big corporate event and um, it was an event that I, you know, sang at as a band person for years and years. And my band manager finally was like, no, you know what, we'll get your cabaret character to host it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, finally I'm being, you know, recognised as a cabaret performer at this really professional corporate level. And I was super excited about that gig. And then it was like, yeah, see you later. All right, cool. <laughs> There's all my levelling up just gone. So that's that's kind of tough. Yeah, and that is one thing that I think is also quite unique to the performance industry in that regard is a lot of people spend a lot of time sort of building to a certain level of professionalism and that's all based on momentum and how many years you put in and you start getting there. Yeah. And then to have sort of this slate of, you know, potentially two years, we don't know how long this is going to last, just mm-hmm. fall away from you. I, I don't want to think of a world where, you know, people like you and me are back at sort of square one, but I don't know where we're going to land. Yeah, I think that like the thing that's trying, I guess that I've been trying to keep my mind sane with that is, you know, sticking around and adapting and doing the online gigs and, you know, doing stuff like this, podcasting with uh, different performers and, you know, interacting with them still and reaching out and, do, you know, doing what you can to to stay relevant within the world still, I think, Um because that's, I guess, for me, I'm like, well, if we're still interacting, we're still making sure that we're putting art out there, we're still supporting each other, then hopefully we can all just jump back in and, you know, put the Cinderella shoe on and away we go. But um, obviously, yeah, you're entirely correct. Like how are we, how are we to know what the performing arts full stop is going to look like at the end of this? And I think I've seen a number of my friends already just kind of changing tack completely and going like, no, nah, I'm going to go and do a nursing degree or go, you know, join like the paramedics or something like And I'm just like, okay, great. Well, that's an, es- like, that's an essential service. I guess you want that stability. That makes sense. But yeah, it's interesting. It is. And I think one of the things that has become really clear to performing arts professionals this year is how, I don't know, undervalued we are by the government both federally and Mm. state level because for those listeners not in this country our footballers are allowed to fly everywhere and do anything and have crowds of up to nine or fifteen thousand people at events and then you know obviously in melbourne you can't do anything but in adelaide we can have 20 percent capacity of a theater Mm. you know can be like just hard it's so it's just you know businesses aren't made to run on 20 percent, and you know they're like but we've done this and it's like yeah but I can't make money off this I've got this amount of people to pay I've got this many mouths to feed it's yeah it's super unfair it is but I think um I don't know if if you remember but it was the last night of fringe and you and I were at the fringe club and we had a chat 
somewhat drunken chat, but a chat. I was like, uh, we're, we're, so many chats that night. <laughs> uh, when we were like, well, at least we get a couple of weeks off because you and I at that point thought this was yeah. just a two-week. Like, oh, well, I guess guess we'll have a nice rest. When did it totally. to you that this wasn't going to be a two-week rest situation? Yeah, I think <laughs> I think... At that point, I was like, well, at least I've got my wedding in Edinburgh to look forward to. I think at that point, you know, I was kind of like, it'll be done by May. That's fine. Uh, And then I think once those things started getting cancelled, I was like, oh, okay, this is the thing now. This is where we're at. Okay, great. Well, let's change, like, let's change gears. Um, But up until that point, yeah, definitely. Um, You know, the first part was like, yay, get a break. Second part was like, no where's my whole life gone? And then the third part was like, oh, so this is for, for Evan. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Great, great, great. Um, I'll just uh, rearrange my life for the next five years. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, what are your plans at the moment for 2021? What are you thinking you're going to be able to do? <laughs> I have no idea, to be honest. Uh, I really would love to at least try and get to Adelaide Fringe, maybe not in the same capacity that I normally do. Normally I'm there for the entire month um, and, you know, weekends is like five shows a night. I'm usually hosting the After Hours Cabaret Club and doing a duo show and doing a – like Adelaide Fringe is mental for me usually. Um, But I think the the aim for me full stop is to maybe just get over there for one weekend and book a couple of shows. Um, Keeping on doing the online streaming thing – um, just found out recently that the Butterfly Club has received funding from the Victorian government, which is wonderful, which means that that will be um, back up and running next year. So hopefully we'll be able to take up my position again as uh, doing marketing and publicity for them. Um, but really, like, the thing, I guess, that helped me get through um, the this second lockdown was trying to find things that I could actually control, could control, because um, that's the thing that's really been kind of sending me for a loop. So having the streaming set up now and just reinvesting in that every time I do a show, if I make a little bit of money, I just reinvest back into my equipment again so that I can make it better and better and better. And I'm kind of at the point now where I don't think I need much else, which is really cool. And uh, now I know that I've got that to fall back on if there's a third and fourth and 600th wave. <laughs> I will... I I will be ready and I'll still be able to perform and um, I'll still be able to, you know, give opportunities to my friends and stuff in the process, which is kind of really important to me as well. It definitely is. And with the whole live streaming thing, I've often wondered if in this sort of past lockdown, celebrities have somewhat devalued art in a way because a lot of celebrities have done free online streaming things and they've released, you know, free concerts and movies and there's a lot of free high quality content out there, which Mm. makes it very, very difficult for artists who are professional at any other level to sell something because Food General has so much access to free stuff. How have you found audiences sort of response to paying for, you know, a live stream show? Um, I make my live stream shows pay what you feel. So um, the tickets range from $5 to $25 and they go in $5 increments from there. So that gives people, um, you know, I believe that it's worth $25 because it's the same high quality show that I would be producing in a venue that you would normally be paying $30 for. But hey, you get $5 discount because you didn't have to leave the house. (laughs) But um, I I, I made it that way on purpose so that, um, you know, that my other artist friends and stuff could watch it if they wanted to and I know that they're going through a tough time financially so 
that way then $5, you know, they can just throw that in there and it's not a big deal. Uh, but I, I, I also think that helps make it accessible for people of all walks of life as well. That's really important to me. Um, the second thing is by having um, guests on, then they've got their own networks and their um, family and friends and people that will always come along, which is always really helpful um, to help sell an event. And especially in these times, um, the first couple of shows, I've kind of picked people that I know that are really missing performing, but they haven't really engaged with the online thing. And so uh, part of that for me was, um, you know, to try and get them out of their shells and be like, look, you can do it. It's easy. Like, come with me. I'll teach you whatever you need to. Um, you can tell that I'm like such a like teacher mentor person. I'm always just trying to like, come on, we can all do it. Let's go. Let's go. I'm happy to sit with you on Zoom for three hours and work out the best settings of your microphone and get your backing track synced to the same, you know, like I, yeah. I've i got time to do that and I'm happy to do that. So yeah, they've been the two things that I think have made my um, online streams like a bit like more successful, I guess, than um, some others. I've seen a lot of people, you know, putting it out there to just only like you know, $8 tickets for everything, which is wonderful. But then it's like, well, far out, like how are you making money for your time and effort that you've put in there? Um, and for me, it's obviously a half-half. Like I'm I'm not going to lie and say that I'm one of those artists that just performs for the sake of performing because it gives me my heart and my soul. Like obviously, yes. Um, but for me, it's always been a business as well. And so if I can continue to do both, then that makes me happy. Absolutely. And with the um, the the live streaming, getting other people involved and then sort of putting it out into the world how challenging has that been to learn if you can't all go to a venue yeah. yeah it's definitely uh it's definitely been tricky uh the way that I do it is via zoom because I think at this stage of the pandemic everyone knows all about zoom and so and uh, I tried to what was that? Sorry. I, I wish I bought Zoom shares pre-pandemic. Right. I know. Um, yeah. So I, I made sure that it was uh, basically a way in which the performers could find it easy to engage with. And then for me to then get the Zoom bits and put it into my, I'm using OBS, which is free software streaming Um um, I don't even know what the technical word for it is. It's basically like a little mini digital TV studio, but that that was like, three and a half weeks of me watching YouTube videos and just being like, that's not correct. And just like getting my fiance to stand in another room on Zoom and like, you know, talking to his phone while he's like at work, you know, he's working from home. He works for a bank. And I'm like, yeah, just like leave your phone there and just like talk to people at work or whatever. And I'll just see if it's coming through on my live stream. I'm like, it's not working. You know, like, you know, the vibe. So that was a, that was definitely a learning curve and calling on some of my like gamer friends and stuff who do, you know, Twitch streams and that sort of thing there's like a whole world out there of people that are streaming content from all different areas so I figured surely this little cabaret gal can get her mind around it which I kind of have now there's still some things that I'm like I don't even understand how that's working but sure my friend told me to do that so that's what I'm doing um, <laughs> but yeah and um, as you said you, you're putting the same level of effort into these shows as you would to a live show do you think audiences have the same appreciation for it because it is for them, I think, a different perception. You know, you're at home, you're, you know, in your second bedroom. It's not like you're going to a theatre anymore. So do you think they perceive it the same way? 
Yeah, it's hard to say um, because I think for me being in Melbourne and with a lot of my fan base in Melbourne as well, um, I think anything that's happening at this moment in time that's not the same thing day in and day out is getting very much like appreciated for people in Melbourne. But I wonder once things start opening up a bit more, so say if I was at the stage where, you know, you're at in Adelaide now, whether it would still have the same perception. But I think, again, um, for me, that's why I made the tickets at a variable price so that you can pay what you feel so that if you go, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's not a real live show, I'll pay $10 for the show. Um, and then throughout the show you've got the opportunity to also tip um, the performers via PayPal as well. So that way then, you know, if you go, oh, actually, this is totally great, then you can, um, you know, donate more money when you can. So, yeah, I I, I think um, where we're at right now, I think people definitely appreciate it because Melbourne literally has nothing else. Um, I mean, obviously other live streams, but there's no other form of entertainment other than live stream entertainment. Whereas I think once we start kind of opening up a lot more, I think it will really depend on people's specific situations as to how they value it. Because, you know, um, I, I could see someone who was in, you know, a compromised position from COVID really appreciating the fact that they don't have to go out to a theatre mm-hmm. um, and put themselves on the line to still be entertained. Absolutely. Now, speaking of entertainment and entertaining, you and I picked uh, the same show to sort of get us through COVID. Uh, we both committed <laughs> to watching Law and Order Special Victims Unit. I would just like to know where you're up to. Um, okay, so the really big, like, kerfuffle that happened with me with this was that I started watching it on Foxtel Go because um, my fiance has a Foxtel subscription because he watches sport and stuff. And then I discovered that I had Fox 8, which had, you know, all like a whole bunch of the law and orders. And I was like, yes, what a win. And so I started watching um, it went like four, five, six, and that was great. And then seven and eight wasn't there. And then nine was there. And then like a couple of like, and then it was like 11 and 13. And so I basically watched everything that was on there thinking that I was watching it all in order. And then I'm like, wait, where did Elliot go? That was never resolved. What's going on <laughs> until I actually looked at the episode numbers and I was like, oh, you've really stuffed this up now. So then I went back and basically bought online the DVDs that I'd missed. So one, two, three, and four. I think at one stage you and I were like messaging each other on Instagram being like, hey, I got this great deal on this DVD. You should definitely get this one. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, I think I'm like consistently up to season 14, definitely. But then I've also kind of seen like season 18 and season 19 and I think season like some of the most recent season, which is like twenty one or 22 so yeah basically most of it (laughs) what about you i'm I'm halfway through season 16 um yeah i've never watched more television in my life i because i i like like sort of the monotony of those crime shows and it Mm -hmm. took me like four years to watch csi and like there's only 15 seasons of csi because i'm always on the road i don't have the time to just sit back and watch tv i reckon it's been about 90 days and I've seen 16 seasons of SVU. I just, there's not a whole lot else to do with life. Very right? impressive. <laughs> uh, the other thing that, that I, I think just shows the age at this point is I, I watch Jeopardy every night and I know that's like when it's time to go to bed. Bless. Oh, I love that. I've actually been watching um, Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of like go between the two because I also love medical dramas as well. So medical dramas and cop dramas, which, you know, is 
absolutely hilarious in the times that we're living in right now. <laughs> but they're the kind of two that I sway between because I'm like, other people have it way worse off than me and then just watch that on the television. That's that's how I get through my day, which is great. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think one thing that the this pandemic has really done for me is just made me more of a nana. I had to do um, a, an online event that was at 10 p.m., the other week and 10 p i haven't been up at 10 p i'm not like functional at 10 p.m not what happens anymore (laughs) absolutely not oh dear oh you poor thing that's why i made uh, my show this week at 7 30 until 9 and one of the performers is a mum, and she's like thank you so much for this gift that i get to be cool and do a performance and hang out with my friends and then i can be in bed by 10 o'clock like i love you so much (laughs) Just like, yeah. What's funny about that, though, is with Adelaide Fringe, you and I have both long-standing ties to late-night shows on the weekends. Oh, yeah. So that's, yeah. you know, if if Fringe happens and if, you know, uh, either After Hours Cabaret or for me late-night panel show happen, it's going to be hard. Doing a show at 10.30 at night is going to be hard. Yeah, we're going to have to really, um, you know, work our way up to it. Or maybe we'll just turn nocturnal. Maybe you and I will just, like, meet up one night and be like, right, we have to stay up watching Law and Order all night. And so that way then we can just flip our body clocks. And so that way then we'll just be nocturnal creatures and we'll totally nail it. It'll be like lunchtime by that stage <laughs> for our body clock. <laughs> oh, yeah, so always a way. Yeah, I, I, like, I like your dedication and determination to, to sort of have lunch at 10 p.m. at night. Sounds good. Yeah. Definitely. It's always the best time. Post-show food is better than, uh, like, I don't care what anyone says. Everyone's always like, oh, I've got to eat before the show. As a singer, absolutely not. Like, that is just reflux and just, yeah, all sorts of burping on stage waiting waiting to happen. So I need to eat at, like, 4 p.m. and then go through into the night and then it's like that, you know, 11.30 p.m. kind of food situation that is just like, mm, it's the best. It's yeah. so good. I, th- I think we did some nugs in Hobart after some late shows. <laughs> I think I ordered nugs to the after party. Remember that? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I. for those listening, I am obsessed with chicken nuggets and I will find them anywhere, everywhere, and make sure that they appear at every after party. That is what happens. So it's, I have a problem. It's great. No, I don't think it's a problem. It's a solution. Mm-hmm, <laughs> no, uh, I am addicted. <laughs> nothing wrong with a little bit of unhealthy addiction. <laughs> Oh, look, Tash, I will let you go and get back to the whole, you know, nothingness of 2020 and, and what life has <laughs> yeah. become. But where can our listeners find you on the internet? Uh, so basically on all of the regular social media platforms and it's at Tash York in it. And uh, I've got a website, TashYork.com. And uh, I also do a podcast as well called the Friends with Benefits podcast with Miss Betty Bombshells. So that's basically where you can find me or just type in Tash York wine and I'm sure I'll come up in Google search for that as well. So, yeah. <laughs> I like that as soon as you put wine after your name, that's when you come up. Like, lit- like that is not even a joke. Like literally do it. <laughs> That's all of the first things. It's so funny. Anyway, yeah. That is perfect. Well, Tash, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been lovely catching up. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely to talk to someone that's not my cats or my fiancé, so... That was my chat with the lovely Tash York. And that is it for today's show. We'll be back with more exciting episodes really, really soon. I've been your host, Benjamin Mayer McKay. Don't forget to follow me on all the social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search Benjamin Mayer McKay. Well, until next time, bye for now.